Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Malby on the Spot, your weekly chance, thanks to Anfield Index Pro, to hear the wit and wisdom of your friend and mine, Mr. Jan Malby, a Liverpool legend, a Denmark legend, just a football legend, and a bloody good lad. Nice to talk to you again, my friend. Long time no speak. Absolutely, Trevor. I hope you're well, and uh, it's almost Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. It has been a while, uh, but things are ticking along nicely. Yes, you'd have to say they are. Um, not that you would necessarily know if you tuned into any uh, conversations on the internet in the immediate aftermath of Manchester City's win over Newcastle. My God, the uh, the, the the toys were being thrown out of the pram. Uh, the league was being conceded. Uh, all sorts of terrible shenanigans going on. But we'll get to that. Um, as you say, it's been a while and things are ticking over nicely. As we speak the Reds are two points clear of City at the top of the league same amount of games played but we'll get to what that might mean and how you think the challenge is going to keep going and uh, what the absence of certain players will mean when we focus on the team uh, a little later in the show but there are lots of Liverpool adjacent stories that I'd like to hop off you which are kind of contemporary and that's the kind of thing that we do as a, as a rule we try and keep keep an eye on what's actually happening and one of the stories that people can't uh, help but comment on because it's an interesting story about what it says about the overall bigger picture is the Jordan Henderson to Ajax story so there's a couple of things I wanted to just get your opinion on here first of all without either of us getting into any of this sort of unnecessary chat about whether or not Henderson is a good lad or a bad lad or whether he's done, he's let himself down or any of that chat. Who cares at this point? What I'm interested in is what do you think that is saying, Jan, about that Saudi project? Because I feel it might be the first sign that that thing is dying on its arse. Maybe that's wishful thinking on my part, and maybe that's uh, maybe that's um, a silly concept because they have promised at least seven billion. I think it is in transfer funds over the next while. Perhaps they're just waiting for the summer. That is the story that's being put out there. But when you hear these stories about disgruntled professionals wanting to go away and lads like Henderson and Bobby Firmino playing in front of six and seven hundred people i don't know jan what do you reckon what do you think that's saying about the bigger project there so obviously the money will always be there the money will never dry up uh, the biggest problem they're going to have and they have the same problem in china is when the players are not having a good time so yeah. i can imagine this first batch of players who've gone to saudi arabia and i think obviously first you have to convince yourself you know 
you have to convince yourself that this is right. You have to convince yourself that the criticism that comes with you, you can deal with. Uh, I also guess you have to convince your family that this is the right move. And then you'll go, I can imagine Jordan Henderson telling his wife something like this. Listen, we'll go for two years. We'll earn money beyond our wildest dreams. We'll just get our head down for two years and we'll do it. Yeah. In and out. Doesn't matter who you are, Trevor. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you are. Ronaldo is totally different. Yeah. But once you get there and you go, all I'm here to do is play football, you still want something more in life, don't you, Trevor? That won't be enough. As much as you say, I'm going to get my head down, I'm going to play for two years, you want some more, you know, you want a certain amount of freedom. You want to be able to do things for your family. You know, and I guess that's where you run into problems. So the biggest problem Saudi Arabia is going to have, and they will have that, is that the players don't enjoy being there. And once that starts, then you're finished. Then no amount of money. Because let's not forget, they're not picking somebody up off the street, are they, and changing their lives. They're giving all already very wealthy young man a little bit more money. So Jordan Henderson will look at him and go, listen, I can go back to Ajax, break the wage structure, being the highest paid player in the history of Ajax, um, and then I can go back to maybe Northeast or whatever, and I still have money enough for me, the next generation, to enjoy their lives, isn't it? But once the players don't enjoy it, Trevor, and when I'm talking about you want a little bit more, that's also to do with the intensity of the games and the league and playing in front of 50,000 passionate fans. So I believe that Jordan Henderson's first home game is against PSG Eindhoven. No disrespect to Saudi Arabia, but that's a real game, isn't it? 50 odd thousand people in the Johan Cruyff Arena. That's real, isn't it? They're one of the things that Saudi Arabia can't give them. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, it, it is the player experience. And I suppose what I'm surprised at, number one, is how player-driven that seems to have been. Uh, it seems to have been a situation where, for better or worse, for whatever the reasons he has decided this isn't for me anymore, I thought it would be more punitive for him to walk away, And I thought that, you know... Uh, it's not exactly people people are going out of their way to again critique those people and that league and that's a different discussion that we're not having here we're not trying to have that discussion here we're not veering into uh that aspect or that political aspect of things at the minute we're simply talking about the league as an entity and players being happy and i think the point you make is absolutely right if players are not happy, it, that the, the product is 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 dead, and and that's that's a real real problem. But I would have thought it would have been more difficult for him to wangle his way out of that contract, given uh, the fact that you know if if all of those guys are honest, himself, Bobby, all the other guys who've gone over there, they went there for one reason. You would imagine situations like that, Jan, those guys didn't get to be wealthy by being, um, uh, let's say, uh, a little bit behind when it comes to business. It, he seemed to be able to extricate himself from his contract reasonably well. Now, I understand, apparently, that he's going to end up not having made any money because I think he may well end up owing money for breaking his contract early or whatever. But it, do you understand what I'm saying when I say it? it seemed a little bit, a little bit easy for him to get out of that situation? I thought they would have held on to him a bit, a bit tighter. I, I think they're very aware. I think they've become very aware in Saudi Arabia about their image, you know, and I think it is important that there is certain amount of understanding when somebody goes from Western Europe to live in that part of the world and it changes, you know, and if you can't settle in that environment, you know, I think they have no choice but to be quite large in terms of their gestures and go, well, okay, if this is what you want, you go with our best wishes. I, I, I think it would totally give us the wrong picture if they, listen, I know it's a dumb thing in football. You keep players to their contracts, isn't it? Uh, but I, I think even they realise that this is so different from what the likes of Jordan Henderson are used to, isn't it? So I think it's important that that they kind of show that kind of goodwill and go, OK, you don't want to be here. We're big enough. Uh, we'll get somebody else. Off you go. And good luck at, uh, in Amsterdam. 
Yeah, I, I, exactly. I think that's fair. And, and again, there's rumours of something like around about the 80,000 mark that he's going to be earning in Ajax. So like you say, it's not as if uh, this is in any way a... Um, uh, a lesser uh, uh, sort of an arrangement for him. I think he did want longer than Ajax were willing to offer, but it still represents a very good move. Now, just in terms of the player and the fit at that club, and you'll have a lot more familiarity with how they are currently operating. I know they're not exactly uh, in their pomp at the moment by comparison with the rest of the teams in the Eredivisie, they're probably not looking a great bet for a title uh, at the moment. And I'm wondering, is that the reason why uh, Ajax are looking at a player? You wouldn't have thought he was an Ajax profile player. And that's with the best, the, all the respect in the world to Henderson as a professional. That's not really what I'm getting at. Um, but they seem to be going a slightly different way, perhaps, Um I wonder, like, what do, what do you make of him as a fit there with them? So, I spoke to Jordan Henderson years ago and he said, all I want to do, Jan, is wear number 14 and play for Ajax. And I thought, is that because of Cruyff or is that because of me? Uh, <laughs> you know, I, no, <laughs> I was Love only joking. But, 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 I, but I, also, I also wore number 14 at Liverpool and I also played for Ajax. So, yes, this is very unusual for Ajax to do such a thing. In the past, if they took... High-profile players, uh, I guess the most high-profile player was probably when he took Frank Reichardt back from AC Milan uh, in the 90s. It tends to be one of their own. It tends to be a Dutch player who's been through the Ajax system and they sort of bring him home. So this is very unusual. Uh, I've actually kept a, a close eye on Ajax, and I'll tell you why, because one of my former teammates, Johnny Van Skip, uh, was installed in October as the caretaker manager at the end of the season. And strangely enough, he's, he's one of my very few teammates from Ajax. I still have a number for him. So I've been in touch with him from time to time. So I, I'm aware of what they're up to. Um, they're in fifth position, a million miles behind PSV Eindhoven. I think it's 23 points. Uh, the best they can hope for is, is qualify for one of the, the less European uh, tournaments. But in terms of the profile, no, he doesn't fit the profile. But I don't know whether he fits the way they play either. Uh, but I think what they've gone all in for here is somebody to give the coach a help and an addressing. Somebody can go into that dressing room and go, listen, this is what it takes. And this is what it takes to play for Ajax. To play for Ajax is very similar to play for Liverpool. You know, I've been part of doing a few podcasts for, for, for Liverpool TV over the few, past few months. And what we talk to almost all of the guests about is this thing of being a Liverpool player how difficult it is, how the demands are. And I think that's the big thing. Jordan will have to walk into the dressing room and go, listen, this is what it requires to play for a club like Ajax. I mean, PSV Eindhoven final fans will argue, but Ajax is the biggest club in, in, in Holland and one of the biggest clubs in the world. Isn't it? So I think that would be the biggest thing. How he'll fit in in terms of how they play, I, I, I don't know, but he's definitely an upgrade on anything, anything they've got at the moment. So, it's, it's very interesting. But, but I agree with you. He's kind of admitted that Saudi Arabia... I mean, let's not forget that he was very active in getting his move to Saudi Arabia. Uh, you know, there's a story that he took contact to, to Liverpool owners personally. Even some people suggested that he flew to America uh, to, to ask them to, to, to let him go, isn't it? But he's kind of admitted that this is not for me. I want to try something else, isn't it? And in terms of it... You know, I, I don't have the same feelings for Ajax as I do for Liverpool in, in any way, shape or form. But it, it, it has got something going on. It's a, it's a unique football club. So, and uh, I think he'll have a belt in time. I, I I think it's actually a wonderful move for the lad and like you say the residual Champions League winning captain um, um, regular with Liverpool and all that goes with that uh, league title winning captain all of those kind of things and he won't be tainted with the whole um, uh, sordid brush that was that was that was uh, uh, did such damage really he did so much damage to his own reputation in England. I don't think that's going to follow him to Ajax. I don't think that's going to be an issue. I think they'll be, they'll be, they, they are at a suitable stage 
in their current uh, ongoing evolution that I think he'll he'll be as you say, definitely a benefit to them. So it could work out very well for both parties. Certainly it would be interesting to watch. But, you know, it's not just that lads are leaving or wanting to leave or being linked with moves away from the Saudi League. There's also almost nothing by way of the old disruptor effect that we had seen in the last couple of windows where they had become such a a, a relevant feature of modern football because, you know, money was being thrown at lads to go and take part in that ongoing project. We were told it was a 10-year project that they were going to build and build and build. (laughs) There are no stories. Where are all the stories about Mo Salah being offered £50 million a day to go and play for them? This has all gone away. There are no stories. It's a very strange thing. And yet against that backdrop, and this is where I wanted to go with Liverpool related uh, uh, adjacent story number two. Stephen Gerrard, we heard today, has signed on for another two years at Al Etifak, despite the loss of Jordan Henderson, which I would imagine he will take as a little bit of a blow. But he signed on for another two years. Now, I have a question for you. And again, this is going to sound a little bit insulting to the Saudi League. I don't mean it necessarily as that. I mean the current incarnation of the Saudi League. Maybe they will go on and develop this project and will turn into something um, way beyond what the Chinese experiment was. But... What does it tell you about what Stevie Gerrard's expectations are for his own career uh, when he is seventh, eighth in a league where there are only four teams that can win it? He's nowhere near it, nowhere near winning anything with that lot he's with. Uh, And by comparison with those really, really obviously overtly state uh, state funded foursome, they have no chance uh, of competing um, by comparison. What's going on there? Yeah, surely he must be thinking, you know, I've done a decent job there uh, with uh, Rangers. Uh, you know, I, I, I was an up-and-comer. Yes, it went pear-shaped at Villa, but what does it say about his ambition or lack of it or his own picture of his own future? Do you think that he's signing on there for two more years? Is it just as simple as how are you going to turn your back on, on money like that? Yeah, probably. I mean, what, what would it talk in 35 million a season? Uh, maybe he's given up on what you would call a more natural route to becoming a great manager. And that, that would, of course, meaning managing in Europe, managing the big clubs. Well, maybe he's just give up and thinking, well, okay, uh, this this is the route I've took. So you can imagine Saudi Arabia for a few years, uh, the MLS in America might be attractive. Maybe that's the route he's going to go down. Uh, and he's kind of go, well, okay, uh, the route, I always thought that there was a maybe a desire one day to be back at Liverpool and, 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 and all that's gone now, isn't it? Uh, and in terms of, some people were, only a couple of months ago, people were talking about him possibly getting sacked because of the lack of results. But, you know, when we talk about how attractive the league is, I think it's more important for Saudi Arabia to have Steven Gerrard there, regardless of the results. Just the fact that we got, we got this massive big name here. Never mind how he's getting on. That's not important. The important bit is happening here. And so there's a possibility he's gone, well, okay. Uh, I'm capable Without taking the normal route, I'm still capable of earning money beyond my wildest dreams, being a manager in Saudi Arabia, whatever else. And maybe that's just the route he's gone and gone, well, okay, what this now becomes about getting paid, you know, uh, I would assume going to Rangers would have maybe been slightly below financially what he would have expected. Uh, but he'd have gone, well, okay, this, this, this is what I need to do. Maybe he's just gone, listen. I'm Steven Gerrard. I'm going to go where people are going to pay somewhere near my true value. And if that damages the overall thing, you know, probably feel that he can live with that. 
Yeah, it seems that way, and you could. You, I think you might be right. Maybe it, he, in his in his own mind, it's just well, this is just uh, this is the way I've chosen as an alternative route. We've seen people take those before. Um, uh, not everyone goes that traditional route, um, but it's also interesting that it, maybe if he does do another couple of years, uh, he might be taking a very practical look at it because I've heard it said that you know he was eminently suited to the role that he used to have at Liverpool and that that might be a way back in, that he was really particularly good at what he did there when he was involved with the younger players. Um, so it's it's interesting. It's definitely interesting. If it is a thing that he wants to go the long route back, perhaps you just you make your money and then you focus on that other side of things. Who knows? Um, but it will be, again, very interesting to watch what's happening with the Saudi project. Um, it's not like it's going to be occupying a lot of our uh, um, minutes here on the show in terms of big transfers transfers in this particular window that's for sure um we had so many things that happened since you and i last talked and in terms of results uh, on the board it's obviously it was the busy christmas period uh, and the immediate aftermath of that and I think the last time we spoke, we were kind of looking ahead to Liverpool Arsenal, which ended up being 1-1, which I think you had predicted. Uh, there was then a, a great win at Turf Moor over Burnley, a 2-0 win. Um, we had a lovely 4-2 win over Newcastle in the Premier League, uh, which was very enjoyable. The 2-0 win over Arsenal was probably the most fun I've had watching the Reds in ages. I think because, well, it was the first game I didn't have to immediately do a podcast afterwards. I was kind of half relaxed watching it and it just felt it just felt like fun um and then there was uh, the 2-1 win over Fulham recently. So it has been quite the run. Um, we've needed, and the Reds have needed to be perfect in the Premier League. And now, of course, we have the spectre of Manchester City coming back into form. And as I said to you there at the start of the show, there was such an amount of uh, pessimistic mumbo-jumbo going on about, about, oh, De Bruyne is back and Haaland's back and it's all over and... I, I, it's, I find it hard to, to, to get my head around as a concept. Um, but I wanted again to throw that out at you because so many people have, from minute one, they've been very uh, sort of deadpan about, look, I don't think Liverpool are ready to win this league. Uh, and they've been very kind of emphatic about that. And yet the team keeps on winning. Now we do have, and we are facing over the next little while, a period of time without our very some of our very best players, the injuries are taking a toll. I just I don't know where we're at. Are we? Have you and I found ourselves back in that position that we've been in for most of our time together in this show, where we still expect Liverpool to win the games that are coming up? Are we back there? Because I kind of felt as the year was ending that that's where we were, and I still kind of feel that way despite all these injuries. Are you absolutely? pessimistic about the chances of Liverpool winning this title now that City are back in full flow? So, I just want to say one more thing on Saudi Arabia. If they still had the appetite, I'm amazed they haven't offered Kylian Mbappe three million a week. You know, it's never been any nearer, has it? He's a free transfer. I'm amazed they haven't done that. Anyway, that's by the by. So, in terms of Harlan and De Bruyne were Manchester City players, uh, and they would have to come back at some stage. So that doesn't overly worry me that they're back. Kevin De Bruyne is not going to do in every game what he did when he came on as a substitute against Newcastle. He'll even itself out. The last Liverpool team that won the league, we knew they were going to win the league. It was only a matter of time, wasn't it? You know, three seasons, I think it was, where we got more than 90 points. Uh, we were capable of dealing with anything City would throw at us, including the need to get more than 95 points. This team, we don't know. I don't know whether this team is capable of dealing with everything that Manchester City throws at them. So, in a funny way, I expect us to win every game we play. And still, I'm not convinced that we're we're going to win the league. And it sounds funny, doesn't it? Because... I'm thinking we might win the remainder of games and still not win the league. Of course, if we do, we will win the league. The one thing, and I can't explain this, Trevor, but this team is all about one thing, isn't it? And it's been spoken more and more about, and that is finding a way. 
finding a way to win you games. If we just look at the last two games, Fulham in the Copa Anfield, getting beat 1-0, not playing well, needing to find a way of winning the game. Bang. Arsenal away from home in the FA Cup, half-time, almost played off the bits, and you think, wow, second half, totally different, finds a way. I can't explain this finding a way, but I've almost never known anything like it. You know, as a group that can find a way. Uh, because our biggest issue, Trevor, and the reason that we don't have more confidence is that we haven't been playing particularly well, but we just keep finding a way. I can't explain it. I can't explain it, Trevor. But I think it's it's quite... And I think we got one of them games coming up on Sunday. Bournemouth away. I can see us being in trouble. I can see us finding it difficult. They're a really aggressive team and I can see, well, where's this going? And then I expect the next thing we're going to go bang, bang, bang and find a way of winning it. I just... Explain it to me, please, Trevor. Come on now, earn your money. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing, and it, it, this will tie in nicely. So, in a way, I will be kind of earning my money. This, this, this is a theory for you. I honestly believe that if Henderson hadn't forced that move, that he would still be there in a squ- if in a different version of of Jordan Henderson, who was willing to accept the Milner type role as a squad player. If he had stayed around, I don't believe we are where we are in terms of Liverpool 2.0. I don't believe that the development of the team is where it is currently. And I don't think we're in that mode where these lads, whatever combination are on the field, manage to find a way. And again, it's not to, de- to denigrate um, Henderson, but Klopp would have kept playing him. And I think we've unlocked something in terms of the current personnel uh, that we can change things up from the branch and make it work. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, Mac boxes and games consoles. Visit LibertyShield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. And I just feel that if the captain, the ex-captain was hanging around, then we might not be where we are right now. And uh, long may this finding a way thing last. And, you know, the ultimate exponent of, of that has been um, uh, uh, Mr. Jota. He, it's wonderful having him back amongst the goals. He just is one of those players who uh, you, you know can can scuff one in off someone's backside, but also has the ability to score a wonder goal. And he, his direct running is fantastic as well. That's hugely exciting. And against the backdrop of all these players being injured, and I don't know what you make, Jan, of the ongoing Tiago mystery and and Stefan Bacetic, uh, um mystery. These guys with the the injuries that never end. Uh, it, it's frustrating. Um, but when you've got Curtis Jones really coming into his own as a as a Liverpool footballer and and Jota doing bits and Luis Diaz discovering rediscovering form, which had really abandoned him. These are all exciting things, and maybe it's just that 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 that. Um, sort of coalescing of all those guys at the same time uh, being able to do bits uh, because if you notice as well yeah, and it coincided with Dom Sabozlai's form falling off a cliff uh, and just you know as we needed him uh, Alex Alexis McAllister comes back in uh, you know and we lose Endo who had just emerged I thought over that period of time we were talking as a really really good first team player um, so it's interesting the balance has been good I hope 
that we're not too stretched in this period. And I think you're right about the Bournemouth game. And we'll finish with chats about that. But I still do have other topics that I want to bounce off you. Um, it's it's an ongoing thing. and I, I, it's not really, I don't want to talk about referees and poor refereeing. But I'm wondering what you make of it, because I found it quite frustrating to see Howard Webb and the PGMOL coming out during the week there and the very public thing of reviewing that video and playing back what the lads were saying at the time, which is patently wrong, and then saying, you know what, that was patently wrong. And, uh, you know, sort of apologies to Liverpool, it should have been this, that or the other. I see no benefit in that whatsoever, because it's it's almost for the sake of it. Um and if, if anything, if anything, Jan, it made me more annoyed about the whole process um, and the whole ongoing, let's be honest, clusterfuck since VAR came in. What did you make of those of that PGMOL thing? For me, Webb, he just likes the sound of his own voice and his picture on TV too much. I don't want to hear what he has to think. I don't want to hear after the event that oh yeah, we made a mistake and we're holding our hands up because we're great lads. It's too often. The mistakes are too many. It just seemed a bit off, didn't it? Yeah. I mean, the majority of team work I do, I, I, I commentate. So during a game, so often we don't spend an awful lot of time talking about these because the game moves on and we move with the game. Uh, but I remember the the, uh, the the Liverpool Arsenal one and you know we all thought it's a bit strange that. But then the explanation came. And I went, well, okay. If that's the explanation, then we deal with the explanation. And that's what it is, yeah. And I found it a bit like usual. I found it strange that he felt the need to go out and kind of overrule a statement that came from his own organization, trying to explain why they didn't get give a penalty, right or wrong. Yeah, right or wrong, but he didn't get a penalty. They explained why they didn't give it, and then he felt the need to come over the top and go, listen, I'm here. Yeah, but I don't really want to hear you. I want I want to see you make a difference. You know, I want you to, you, being in charge, but ultimately you're in charge. Make a fucking difference when those decisions are made, isn't it? because a month later, and it is roughly a month later, isn't it? it makes no difference whatsoever. And I agree with you, when I saw that in the weekend, I went, oh, for fuck's sake. Now, when do they ever stop? Uh, so it, 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 it does annoy me a little bit. Just going back to the team, uh, and when you started, and we're talking about his final in the way, the last team that won the Champions League and the Premier League, we, we kind of knew what our start strongest 11 were. We played 4 3 3, and it was almost a case of going, This is what we've got, deal with it, and nobody could. This this team is totally different, isn't it? Because it's not as if we're starting games and then being 3 0 up within 15 minutes, and, and everything we plan is coming off. Most things we've got planned doesn't come off, does it? Because we're getting beat 1-0, we're not playing well and blah, blah, blah. And then we have to find something. And I think that's to do with we have so many more options. If you look at our front five, you know, we can't play. We Every time we play somebody different, they bring somebody different. You mentioned Shota before, Nunez. They all bring something different in it. So we're very, very unpredictable. And what that means, Trevor, is that if you don't get it right from the first whistle, we can always rectify it. And we've heard Klopp talk about, you know, every game now is about 16 players. You know, after about an hour, 65 minutes, you make your first changes and we've been very, very good at that. I was a little bit off in it, but I just felt it was important to say that. It's totally different from being the way we were when we were so good and we just blew everybody away. How often were you at Anfield 2-3-0 before you could blink? This is totally different, isn't it? This requires something totally different, isn't it? So, it probably drains the squad more than, than what it did from sort of 2017 to 2021, isn't it? Well, I think it's very interesting and I think as a Liverpool fan, it's obviously exciting but it's also nerve-wracking because you think, how much longer? How much longer are we going to keep finding ways to win games? You know, I think that's a really, I think that's a really uh, insightful way of looking at. It. Like you say, uh, in the previous iteration, the team was the team, all bar maybe a tweak here or there in midfield. It was always the same team, and we were lucky. We had these guys who were comparatively bulletproof across the front. These guys didn't get injured; they were there every week, week in, week out. And you knew that we, with, between the three of them, they could turn a game. Uh, we very much relied on that, and you're, that's absolutely right. But now the changes, the, the ability to change it up, uh, I, I don't know. 
I'm not even sure at this stage. I think it's almost doing a disservice to them to say that, you know, in some way that it's um, uh, not quite accidental, but that we're, we would just like keep throwing things at the wall till it works. I think there's enough good footballers now that you introduce them if things aren't going right and they will make that difference. You said Nunes, what difference maker he is being. And despite all the media narrative about how he's not producing, I mean, if he keeps producing assists like this, you've said it a million times in this show. I think it's it's proven to be very correct. He may never be that 30 goal a season guy, but if he's getting 10 or 15 and he's causing the havoc he's causing, nobody will care. That that guy will end his career as a Liverpool legend because he just influences matches so much. And uh, it's that it, it's that across all the midfield and front. We now can get lads uh, who can score from midfield. We we have lads who can, who, uh, several lads now who can contribute with goals up top. It's, uh, you're right, it's exciting. Yes, nerve-wracking, but I'll take it because apparently we're in this transitory phase and it looks like we're not signing anyone this uh, window, but then it looks like nobody's signing anyone much this window. We saw Spurs have done a little bit of business um, and perhaps two very uh, effective signings. Um, they've got a, the defender they wanted and they've got um, Mr. Werner back uh, into the Premier League. So let's see how that works out. But it's a very quiet market. So with that in mind, I guess it's going to be, um, we're going to, hopefully be as good as anyone in terms of the depth of our squad if we are not battered by these injuries which were getting a bit worrying as the year was clocking into an end there is another story that it would be silly of us not to mention now because it's so contemporary we mentioned City early on and they're being invoked on the back of what's happened with Everton and Forest and Everton under Dyche had made light work, it seemed, of the 10-point deduction that they'd suffered. But the powers that be came back for another nibble. And, you know, the the punishment there is going to be the punishment. They could well finish them off. It could well be great news for a couple of other clubs if Everton and Forrest get um, points uh, deductions because they'll keep a couple of people safe by comparison. Uh I wonder, first of all, what have you made of that? What do you think the likely punishment is there? If, are you are you hearing anything in regards to that? Because I can't get a handle on anything as to, as 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 regards what that will look like, or even rumours of what's going to look like. And then the second thing I wouldn't mind you touching on is the vagueness around the whole city thing. I, I see people who are well informed to an extent just fobbing it off and saying, oh, it's going to take time. It's going to take, you know, X amount. If you, if you, people saying, well, if you look into the details, it's very, very complicated. It's going to take time. All that says to me is that money will prevail because the longer it goes on, the more likely money is to prevail. Uh, and people like Forest fans and Everton fans will be absolutely furious. And people, whoever finished second in the league to far, to City, if they go on and do what everyone seems to think is inevitable, I, I don't just yet, um, will have you know a right to be absolutely furious if and when any of those charges are proven. I mean, what's your take, first of all, on, on, on Everton and Forrest and the likelihood of what they're going to get by way of punishment, what that might do to their season or will do to their season? And then if you want, mind just touching on the City thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, Forrest and Everton, what they've done is when they're sending their, their yearly books, They've obviously admitted to have an overspent. They've admitted to going beyond the 105 million allowed to, to, to lose over three uh, seasons. And it's not even 105 for Forest because two of their seasons were in the championship. So I believe they're only allowed to, to lose something like 60 odd million. Uh, Everton took the last one relatively lying down. They've appealed uh, and then. Let the appeal be what the appeal is. The hope is that they're going to get four points back, but let it be what it is. But this time, they won't take it lying down. They'll, they'll go as fast as they can in terms of being lawyered up. Uh, they're unhappy that they feel that they're being punished for something that they've already been punished for, uh, whether that's right or wrong. I mean, we should never forget, Trevor, that agreeing to this £105 million loss over three years, the clubs agreed. They were happy to vote for it. Uh, they, they, they know the consequences. 
uh, and this is what it is. City is different. City technically is not breaking financial fair play. They are within the financial fair play. But we then got to prove how they managed to stay within financial fair play. Where do their money come from? You know, and do their money come at what we call a market price? What we shouldn't forget either is that if one chart is answered or not proven, then another 15, 20 charts might fall. A lot of them are interlinked. So one goes, 20 might go. Uh, so it's a bit more difficult. Plus the fact up till now, Everton and Forest have admitted guilt. City haven't. So the Premier League have got to try and find Manchester City guilty. All I'm saying with that is good luck. I don't think Richard Masters is doing himself any favours by fucking around and not going, come on, let's get this done. You know, we're not going to give another advance by giving you all the time in the world. Let's deal with it. We've thrown these 115 charges at you. Let's get moving. Let's have some replies. Prove that you're innocent. And let's get a date set and let's get it done because it's possible. I know it goes back to it's the first charge start from 2009-10. I know all that, isn't it? But it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be dealt with. So I understand every other club being up in arms about it. The only thing I will say, Trevor, is it is totally different cases. Uh, but my advice to the Premier League will be to get their fucking skates on. I agree completely. It's interesting. Two people who agree with you on that would be uh, Sky's um, very loudest um, pundits, um, Jamie Carragher and um, and Gary Neville. And both of them were um, discussing it there recently. Now, listen, I'll be honest. I don't think either of them have done themselves any favours in recent months in terms of... Uh, it's it's quite amazing, actually, to just listen to fans talk amongst themselves and to hear stuff on, on various podcasts. M- most people have very much sort of cottoned on to the fact that the lads have turned into incredible company men when it comes to just saying whatever the sky narrative is. Neville in particular seems to have taken a real backward step recently. Um, But they're taking, this is what worried me a little bit in the discussion, as far as I could see, and I was reading transcripts of it rather than hearing the actual discussion, but it seemed to be along the lines of, yes, let's hurry up and get this done so that um, effectively the, the, the gist of it seemed to be so that City can clear their name and we can get on with this, which if that's... But you know what, you know what, Trevor? Go on. That is, bizarrely enough, the word on the street. Yeah. You know, when I go to a game... And you speak to the big, big boy, the best, well-informed. And they're the kind of guys, they have so much information that they never write. And that, worryingly, is the word on the street. You know, that City is going to dance their way through this. And we're going to be back to square one. That is the word on the street, Trevor. And no doubt that Jamie and Gary will be talking to the same people who's telling them, the same things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So in and other that, words, yeah, that, 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 that's the line. That's the line. It's going, they're going you know, to be okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't use that line. Yeah. And I'm quite prepared to maybe be looked at a fool. Yeah. Because I don't believe that that's the right fucking way. You know, there is no way, you know, you read through all those charges, Trevor, and some of them are, you go, Christ, oh, mind you, how do you expect to get away with this? You know, yeah. Uh, but it looks like they might just be, and that is kind of the official line, you know. And when these people tell me, I go, and they go, that's that world, isn't it? You know, that that, that sort of legal world where you have to prove something. It 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 looks like it might be beyond the Premier League, which is fucking bizarre. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it would be it would be bizarre if it wasn't for the fact that you and I both know that what's happening there is, like I said, without being too cynical, but money's talking. And and like you say, you can get lawyered up or you can get lawyered up and there's different levels of that. And City, of course, can afford the very best one. So I I think I think you're right. I think that's probably that the lads are sort of half in on the know about what is being said. It just it was a weird way to present the whole thing um, from two lads who should be sort of a 
opposed to any cheating, especially by Manchester City, who both of them would consider to be rivals. It was very odd. It was very much a, let's get this done so the lads can clear their name. And poor old Kevin De Bruyne um, is going to have his league win tainted if they don't get this sorted. That was the gist of the conversation, which is quite odd, I thought, uh, unless, as you say, uh, they're in the know. We are getting to the point where I wanted to wrap it up. It was was a slightly shorter show to do this week. So I want to go straight to, for two or three minutes, just to wrap up the idea of the next game up. And we do have some interesting fixtures ahead for uh, the Reds. Uh, It's it's great. It's a great uh, place to be right now, uh, looking at uh, Liverpool's uh, fixture list um, and looking at the recent uh, uh, run of results. But like you say, the challenge of Bournemouth in some two or three days' time on Sunday at half four is going to be uh, a, 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 a stern one. And then there's two cup games. On the Wednesday, we have the second leg against Fulham. And then uh, the reward for the win against Arsenal, of course, is yet another FA Cup game following Sunday uh, against Norwich at Anfield um, before wrapping up the month on the Wednesday. And a game that I'm going to be at myself, which is the Chelsea game on a on a cold Wednesday night at Anfield, January 31st. So it's a, it's, it's a really interesting run. And it is possible that Liverpool can end the month where they are, which is top of the league. That would be very much my hope. But like you say, these games are going to present a stern challenge. The first one is Bournemouth. And we'll finish like we always do with a little look at what we think that might represent by way of a challenge. You mentioned that they're not going to be any pushovers. They're sitting reasonably comfortably there in 12th on 25 points, just ahead of Fulham um, with two games less played than Fulham and just three points behind Wolves with a game in hand. So it looks like they're their momentum seems to be towards um, around about a halfway finish. They might sneak into that top 10, depending on how things go. But I think that's going to be a tough ask. I think they're going to finish somewhere around where they are. Um, But again, I'm not the expert here. And it's your opinion we want to hear. What do you think this particular challenge will be for Liverpool at the weekend? I think it'd be very difficult, Trevor. You know, I think... And, and I've always felt that to be able to deal with Liverpool, because Liverpool is so much about tempo and energy, you have to be able to match that tempo and energy. And I think Bournemouth can. We've got better players than Bournemouth, but I think they'll be able to match our tempo and energy. And if we're not at our best, we're going to run into trouble. They lost, if I can remember this right, they lost 6-1 at Manchester City in early November, I think. And since then, their season has totally transformed. Their next game was a 2 0 win against uh, Newcastle, and they've done really well. I think if you look over the last eight or nine Premier League games, they are probably the most informed team. I think they've only lost one game, three-one at Spurs the other the other week. Again, they're twenty-four shots in that game, so this is a really good. We we will have to be somewhere near our best to get something from this. They brought in this young Spanish manager uh, who had a knack of upsetting the big teams in Spain because of the way they play. Ultra-aggressive. They pressed with five or six men high up the pitch. This is going to be a tricky game, Trevor. Very tricky. I think you're right. There are some incredible results there for Bournemouth in recent um, weeks. uh, And that will, in and of itself, be a a red flag for the Reds, who have struggled against teams that they should be beating uh, quite comfortably, as we said, uh, in recent weeks. But they have been getting those results, so we can only hope that that will continue to be the trend. And so let's finish the show like we always do with your take on how that difficult game is going to go. So I think... And again, I'm guessing a bit of a top of my head, but I think in the last sort of eight, nine, ten games, including FA Cup games, Bournemouth have scored more than two two or three goals in all them games, apart from the Spurs one, where I mentioned before they had 24 shots. So I think they'll they'll give us problems. So my prediction is Bournemouth two, Liverpool three. I think it's going to be one of those. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I, I think it's going to be one of those. Belting games, Trevor. Uh, and a lot of people will go, 
obviously without Mo Salah and whatever, but I still think we will yet again, even without Trent as well, uh, with his with his with his problem. But I think we'll find a way. I think it'll be a belting game. I am generally really looking forward to it. It's a long way from where I live, and unfortunately, I'm not going. I would have I would have enjoyed going because I'm really looking forward to. It. I think it'll be a cracking game. Right there is the secret to what has been different about Liverpool this year uh, is that we are looking for, I find myself the same, very much looking forward to the games uh, with a healthy amount of positivity as well. Maybe not the same swagger as we once had going into games, but positivity because of that factor you've identified, that ability to win. And Wow, folks, it is good to have Jan back because it's not just the man's status in the game, but unlike his peers, you can hear him throwing out stats there to back up all these opinions. How many people have that kind of stuff to hand? I mean, come on, get your ears around this. It's great to have him back. It's great to be back doing the show. We're going to be on a consistent run, obviously, between now and the end of the season, which will hopefully encapsulate loads of wins and quite a couple of trophies as well. It would be nice, especially if we could win that big one. But we should wrap it up. So, Jan, for another one, briefer by about five or six minutes than usual, but fantastic to have you back, and thanks for that. Four years ago, I said we would beat Bournemouth 4-0, but these times are different. And I will almost guarantee you, Trevor, by the time we next speak, we'll have a Wembley final to look forward to. So, yeah, it's been it's great to be back. Fantastic. Yes, and we will be back, probably like Jan says, after the Carabao Cup semi-final to have a chat and see how that game has gone against Bournemouth to look forward to the game that is coming up in the FA Cup after that and to look forward to the league game against Chelsea, which will follow that. So we will be with you on a regular basis from now on. Great to have Jan back. Great to be back in the fold with Malby on the spot. I've been Trev Denny. That was Jan Malby. And we'll speak to you very, very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.